Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Full Court Press. I'm Nathan Chen, and I'm here with a very special guest. Hi, I'm Sky Coffee. You're Sky Coffee? Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. Wow. Wow, is this the Nathan Chen? Uh, let me rephrase, Nathan, Nathan Chen, Chen? As a matter of fact, it is. Uh, th- thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I, re- I realized that... I kind of sprung this on you very suddenly, so I, I appreciate you being here. I was sitting in the comfy, the new comfy chair in the office, yeah. just being so content mm-hmm. for a whole five minutes, and then Nathan barges in and says, <laughs> will you record an episode of Full Court Press with me? And how could I say no, because this is an incredible podcast. I appreciate that. All right, so let's, let's dive right in. So uh, we're going to be talking about men's basketball and women's basketball as usual. Um, we'll start with the men. Kind of, kind of give a recap of their last couple of their last couple games since their season opener, um, and then culminating in the Empire Classic. So, first couple games they played Mount Saint Marys. They played Central Arkansas. Uh, these these are kind of your sort of less less intense non conference games. Uh, and something we saw early that was a bit troubling was that. Yeah, they can score and they could score with volume. They could score a lot, but uh, they kind of had problems defensively, and so um, so you kind of we kind of got worried when Mount Saint Marys was down. Oh was, my or God. It was up by nineteen. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of carelessness offensively too. I felt like and. Yeah. yeah. No, I just feel like it was a lot of, and I feel like you can kind of see Coach Ewing getting agitated about this from the sidelines. There, there was a lot of, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say ball hogging, but I definitely feel like people just not making the like overall the plays that would strategically be the best instead favoring you know trying to make that drive or trying to make that ill advised shot. Yeah, and I think that's sort of a reflection of, of. A little bit of a resource curse, I think. This mm. team is this team is extremely athletic. They're extremely long. They've got a they've got a lot of nice wings. For example, Galen Alexander, Myron Gardner, mm. Jamarco Pickett, Jagan Mosley, guys that are really athletic and long. Uh, but um, but that that doesn't necessarily win you games. Mm-hmm. And because if that did, then then uh, the games wouldn't be played. It's all about the mental game as well, and you have to mm-hmm. execute those plays. And it's about also, I think, just finding like that collective aspect and finding the right squads of players to go well with each other. Um, Coach Ewing has been doing, I mean, it's interesting, this thing where he, you know, has his starters out for like two minutes and then by like the fourth minute in, completely replaced um, by his bench. Um, And I feel like, especially in the Mount St. Mary's game, specifically because it was our season opener, I feel like um, you really just saw, like, while the starters were, um, of course, definitely each trying to have their own kind of moment in the spotlight, were working well with each other, and I feel like uh, instead of bringing on that B team so quickly, it may have worked out better if Coach Ewing had staggered, you know, having different starters in with different members of the bench instead of just replacing them so quickly. Yeah, and so that so a lot of the problems that you mentioned kind of came up to the surface in the Penn State game. Mm. Disastrous game for them. Yeah. Got off to a real slow start. Penn State opened up a twenty-five to seven lead, and that was that was really really mm-hmm. not not the way you wanted it to start. And so, and you kind of saw the second unit get in early, and it's like a full sort of second line, kind of like in hockey where you have where you have where you have like complete line changes and. A different and entirely different lineup takes the floor. That that second unit struggled a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, and 
they, they had problems with the turnovers. They had problems defending the three more than anything because... Mm-hmm. I remember this, this whole, I mean, all the beginning games of the season, the men's team has really struggled with turnovers. Yeah. They turn the ball over, I think, on like 20% of their possessions, yeah. which is a ridiculously high clip. And yeah. it's honestly like... Honestly, like, they still score so much yeah. despite the fact that they throw away possessions. Like, yeah. that's kind of remarkable. But honestly... Another thing that I have noticed that and that's, you know, even a little bit more concerning is that you're seeing players who last year were actually not having as many as much trouble with turnovers who are now turning over the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm thinking about James Akinjo, um, and the like. And yeah, so just something to watch out for. Yeah, and I think James and Mac have they've probably underachieved a bit this season. Mm-hmm. Uh they they're you would like to see more consistency out of them as second year players with a little bit more experience under their belts, but I think that I think that these last two games here in the Empire Classic, uh, maybe not Mac, but the team <laughs> the team has really turned a corner here. Yeah, I think uh, they obviously they beat ranked number twenty two Texas, which was a great second half, especially mm-hmm. defensively because they rotated, they closed out, they contested mm-hmm. shots, and so their second half against Texas was really, really encouraging. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the Duke game, um, they closed to within four in the final minute against, you know, the number one team in the country. And that that says a lot about what this team can do and where this team can end up. Mm-hmm. And again, another thing I just want to say about the, the Texas game that was so incredible. Like we said, of course, like, you know, great second half showing. Um, but I think, it again, just like, fully appreciating the fact that we can say that the Georgetown men's basketball team had a great second half showing um, when that's been lagging for so long. And I felt like watching the Texas game, I was like, we, we've seen this so many times. We're playing a very formidable opponent and we're really holding our own up until the half. And then you can kind of just see the wheels come off. So not only to, like, not only to be able to see us like keep on fighting until the end, but to be able to break away and like find the plays that we needed to find. Um, or the plays we needed to play <laughs> due to some uh, good uh, coaching decisions by Coach Ewing. And something, so a couple things I noticed in the Empire Classic, uh, we saw a shorter rotation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of saw the starting unit, and then um, Josh, Terrell, Kudis playing minutes, and uh, maybe a little bit of Galen Alexander. But the, that seemed to be a really successful strategy against Texas. But for me, throughout these through these first six games, it's clear that Omer Yurtsevin is the best player on this team. Mm. The mm. offense should run through Omer down in the post. He he is being kind of underutilized. That's my take. So well, the thing, <laughs> the thing is that Omer is a tremendous rate player. Like he's probably averaging like better than thirty and like fifteen per forty minutes. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that he's also averaging six fouls per forty minutes, mm-hmm. and so foul trouble. Omer getting into foul trouble is honestly, I think, going to be the dominant storyline of this season because really, really everything runs through him. Like, yeah. he's just, he's he was ridiculously efficient in the uh, in the Empire Classic. I think 10 points in 13 minutes against Texas, including five of six shooting from the field, and 21 points in the second half alone against Duke. Yeah. I mean... As long as Omer can stay out of foul trouble, he's a monster. Yeah, and I think him staying out of foul trouble also speaks to, again, this team's struggle with defense um, as a whole. I agree definitely that um, that this team this team struggles sort of off the pick and roll where the big man doesn't get back in time. And so, 
and so they can kind of rotate the ball and swing it outside for a three. But um, they def again they definitely improved that in the Texas game. Mm-hmm. Duke like there's not much to say. Duke is the number one <laughs> team in the country yeah. for a reason. Like they're they they are not necessarily as good as last year's squad that featured you know Zion Williamson, Cameron Reddish, uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, Trey Jones, but they they are a much more formidable defensive team. Uh, they they play well together. To hang seventy three on them is nothing to be ashamed about. Mm-hmm. I think I think that Omer definitely showed his medal against uh, Vernon Carey Jr., who's you know a top top five recruit in the country, maybe even the top five player in the country. And so Omer Omer showed his medal. He proved his worth. And another standout sort of that I wanted to talk about for. Uh, for these first few games is Jamarco Pickett. Yes, I want to, yeah. I think I think Jamarco has had a renaissance in mm-hmm. these last six games. Like mm-hmm. this was probably the player we were expecting to see last year mm-hmm. co- coming off a Big East uh, all freshman team in his freshman season and he looks confident. He looks confident with the ball shooting from outside and and getting inside and uh, he's ma- he's taking more efficient shots in my opinion mm-hmm. because because you you really like to see him sort of down near close to the basket or taking or taking threes and obviously defensively he's still a great player and so uh I really like I really like Jamarco going forward yeah no I mean I was also because I was gonna say can we talk about specific players because I want to talk about Jamarco yeah but no I just mean yeah he's been he's been incredible um and I feel like again I mean you and I are both sophomores um but I feel like coming in last year um, you know, even like literally when I say big expectations on Jamarco Pickett, that was the name of the player profile we ran on him <laughs> for the basketball issue. Like, I, I mean, I remember thinking this guy was like, you know, three point machine, all these things, and just not really, really seeing that. Um, and so, yeah, to see again, like, you know, at first being kind of underwhelmed, and now to see him exceeding my expectations. Um, that's just that's just incredible. And yeah, just having him as a consistent three point shooter now that we always. I mean, that I feel like a lot of people always kind of saw on him um, is just great for the team. Yeah, and it's really important for the team to have focal points outside of the guards and mm-hmm. Omer because because wing players wing players are really important in sort of that kick out game and like and like sort of cleaning up the glass if, if there's a miss. Uh, so it's definitely very heartening to see Jamarco step up as a junior and uh, and hopefully he can continue that for the rest of the season um I actually wanted to ask me about this why do you think that is why do you think he's improved I I honestly I honestly couldn't really tell you I mean he just I I think that from from what I've heard at least I think that he put in a lot of work over the summer Mm -hmm. and uh, and really tried his best to improve his game but honestly honestly I think he started the season pretty well against Mount St. Mary's and uh Central Arkansas and confidence confidence is a big thing for him because last year we kind of saw that he was pretty hesitant yeah. in certain situations and so it's nice to see that he's got his confidence back and it's nice to see him uh, putting up numbers so another player <laughs> that I kind of saw improvement out of um, over these last couple of games I think was Kudis Kudis mm. had an excellent game against Texas it might not show in the box score with only nine points but I thought that he provided valuable minutes while Omer was on the bench and I thought that he he was able to he was able to get a lot more confidence, um, sort of playing with a lot of energy. And I really liked 
I really like that out of Kudus. We're going to need him down the stretch, especially because we have center depth, but Timothy Agoefe and uh, Malcolm Wilson are very raw players, and we're not going to see a whole lot of them. So if we need a traditional big in there and Omer's in foul trouble, Kudus is going to have to be the guy. And so I remember really reading a really nice quote from Patrick Ewing uh, where he said Kudus, where he told Kudus, you're not a freshman anymore. I really yeah. like I really like to hear that, and so I thought I thought Kudus had a wonderful Empire Classic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, I think especially just coming from the fact that for our first um, couple of games, he really just wasn't playing yeah. um, as well as he as well as he should have. I mean, even like people talking like you know he's a four star recruit. Like what's going on? Um, and so and I think especially not just offensively but defensively as well. Um, so yeah, just seeing him step up on both ends uh, for the Empire Classic was really, really great. Um, and again, just seeing all these players really just fulfill the expectations um, that have been laid out for them is is awesome. Right. And one last one last player shout out I'd like to give before uh, before we move on to talk about the women a bit. Uh, Josh LeBlanc. Josh has Josh had been in the dog uh, the doghouse the first two games. Obviously, he was suspended for the first game second game he didn't really play so so much but I think that Josh is the type of player where he needs minutes to be successful he needs to be on the floor making an impact because he's such a he's such a high energy player he's got high motor we saw that we saw that in the Empire Classic and um and and yeah I think that as Josh continues to get more minutes that that will definitely help the team and it'll help him grow into the player that we know that he can be yeah, I have nothing more to add to that. I think that's a really accurate assessment. So, uh, so quick recap for the men. Uh, we really like Josh and <laughs> Kudis coming out of the Empire Classic. Uh, this team can make noise. I, I don't understand why they only got one vote for the AP Top 25 because yeah. they beat a ranked opponent and they hung tough with the best team in the country, and that's with some questionable officiating in the Duke game. Patrick Ewing oh, got Oh, God, a that was... That was a lot. I mean, they... I I honestly thought that a lot of the calls on Omer were fine. Like, I was fine with them. They they were, they were pretty clear. But Also, uh, it's not like it's anything unusual. Right, right. But one, one of Duke's guys tripped Jamarco mm-hmm. on, like, on, a, on sort of, like, a breakaway play, like a transition play, and uh, that didn't get called, and a foul ended up ended up getting called on us later in the play. Mm-hmm. And then the phantom foul called on James. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a five-point swing and in an eight-point game that was even closer than the final score might have indicated. Mm-hmm. And so those were really, really questionable calls. And and uh, I, I think Coach Ewing had every right to be livid. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, so now we are going to move on to the women's team. And uh, they have had a struggle. They they've yeah. they've had a rough go of it. One and four. We kind of we kind of saw this coming. Yeah. Um. I mean, we really did. Obviously, the team losing its three top scores going into this year. We knew it was going to be difficult. Um. Obviously, Coach Howard uh, and the girls are really trying to form a more collective offense. Um. So far, it's. I definitely, I definitely do feel that they, they honestly, I feel like work together pretty well, especially going back and forth between the men's games and the women's games. Like with the women's games, you definitely see more ball distributing, really trying to look for like who's available, how can I make this best play. 
Um, but again, there is just kind of this lack, again, lack in our, our, our consistent shooting, like what we were talking about before this podcast. Um, that can just be, it can just be difficult when, you know, you can't just pass the ball to Deanna and trust that it'll go in or give it to Dorothy and trust that she'll make a drive. Um, so yeah, I just think that's, that's something to work on. Um, obviously, uh, I guess uh, we're going to make, I mean, we're going to make one shout out. Maybe we can make many, but Taylor Barnes. We're going to make a lot of shout outs. <laughs> we will. But yeah, um, Taylor Barnes, if we're going to talk about offense, um, has definitely been pulling through, unfortunately. She hasn't been getting as many minutes as was initially anticipated, dealing with some injuries, um, and even in her most recent home game. Um, uh, she did play a decent amount in the GW game, but in their most recent home game still, um, just not getting in a lot of minutes, even though she is a pretty effective uh, scorer and distributor. Um, and yeah, I was just also going to talk about defense, because our defense has been pretty tight. I think, yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, honestly, I think a big part of this team is that they're young and so they they might they might lose a lot of games but um the important thing is that they're they're always defensively oriented and uh they are they are competitive in every single game they play simply because their defense has been so great like they like you said they definitely play together as a team and like i don't know if you notice this you can kind of see it on social media like oh, they, I love that. They yeah. really like hanging out yeah. with each other, and they're 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 true family. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the men's team, you might not necessarily see as much of that. But I think that the women, uh, the women definitely play as a collective unit, mm-hmm. and uh, they they will look to spoil a lot of team seasons because because they play so well defensively. They just need one player to get hot, and so mm-hmm. and so that's. That's bound to happen over the course of the year, I think. Yeah. And uh, some another a shout out I wanted to give was uh, was Grace Ann Bennett. Oh. I thought that mm-hmm. I was a little confused as to why she didn't play more. I agree. In the uh, Richmond game at, that we had at home, and uh, she could have played more in a lot of games. Yeah, and <laughs> she uh, she definitely has the pedigree down low. She, she has the drive, she has the fight offensively and defensively. And in these non-conference games that are sort of lower leverage, I would like to see her play more mm-hmm. to, so that she can gain experience as a freshman. But she's definitely proven to be, I, I think that she's proven to be a, a worthwhile recruit. And again, something that I just feel like we, we should talk about this more. We, I, we put it into print, but, you know, it can never hurt to just mention when Coach Howard said, I think she could be the best post player to come out of Georgetown. Um, stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's stuff, you know, amidst Coach Howard talking about how the team is going to struggle this year for him to really have, you know, again, these expectations um, and, like, this belief in her is really great to see, um, especially in someone so young. And obviously she's she's great on offense, but, I mean, especially, we've been talking about defense a lot, but Grace Hand's defense yeah. is, is incredible. Um, really, yeah, I mean, I feel like, obviously, you have Anita leading the defense, but then I feel like I've seen so much prowess from her. Um, and yeah, yeah, um. for sure. And uh, and so some of the leaders, some of the leaders of the team, I think we we want to see we want to see a lot out of Nicola, and we want to mm-hmm. see a lot of out of Brianna. Like these are these are these are uh, these are players that are sort of growing into bigger roles, and especially Brianna sort of being being a more ex- being more experienced as a, as a graduate now. Yes. And uh, and so. 
so you can kind of see that Brianna is sort of like the leader in that locker room and Nicola is sort of the leader offensively mm-hmm. and so uh, it's nice to see those players step up but again that void that that uh, Deanna Dorothy and Michaela left is just yeah. huge it's and again like I like I feel like whenever we mentioned Nicola it's like yes N- Nicola is great um, and but I always kind of associate with her um, the two other pretty standout sophomores, uh, Cass Gordon and Tayana Jones. But even looking at this now, because, I mean, when, when Tay and Cass get hot, I mean, it can, you can get really, really sad oh, results. Yeah. Tay was pretty hot in the, um, uh, the our last home game against Richmond. Um, Tayana's been hot in yeah. these... Uh, in these last last couple games, I think. Yeah, but unfortunately, I mean, you can see even here as we stare at this box score, <laughs> um, uh, it's just hard. It, you know, it was hard keeping uh, for them to keep that momentum into their game at GW, and I think we'll definitely see that fluctuation um, throughout the entire season. And I think eventually they can become consistent, but it, they are sophomores who really had much less expectations on them their freshman year due to the presence of the three heavyweights. Um, it's just going to be a lot of growing pains. Yeah, and it's important to note that, like, we talk about defense, 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 <laughs> but that's the reason why they've been competitive in every single game that they've played. Like, like they were they were probably going to lose to Davidson, but they lost to Richmond by two, mm-hmm. lost to JMU by seven, lost to George Washington by three. And I would just like to point out, I mean, JMU has, they did have this kind of weird thing with one of their players who's been injured and then was back off the bench and kind of got injured in the middle of that game. But JMU basically still has almost their entire, like, the same um, top, like, le- the same squad of leading scorers that they had last year when they knocked us out of the Elite Eight of the WNIT. And we are missing our three key weapons and the fact that we were pretty, like, we were able to hold our own um, against them. And again, I said this, I said this while I was watching the game, um, but just, you know, especially at the half when we were almost tied or we were tied, um, holding our own against a team that was, objectively speaking, playing better than us especially more talented more talented yeah for that first half just and i think it it does just you know chalk off to defense um so yeah that was that was pretty cool and i think that just looking at looking at the results like they're one and four right now they could easily be four and one yeah and uh and like like i mentioned earlier i think that this team will spoil will will play spoiler for a lot of other teams going down the stretch and they're going to be a tough out no matter what. And I think that's really a testament to Coach Howard more than anything else, like stressing team defense always. And uh, and that's what makes them competitive. And honestly, they're not going to, like, they're not going to, like, light the world on fire in the Big East, but they might they might play a little better than our expectations m- might dictate. Yeah. And, and so, I think if they do that, no complaints, really. No complaints. It'll be interesting. And... No matter what, we'll always we'll always get to see them enjoy each other on social media, oh, which we love. They're they are so fun. It is just oh, not to I'm gonna bring such a damper onto this, but just whenever I think about how I'm like, you know, our women's team's playing even a little better than expected. We have so much potential. I'm just like, wait, UConn, <laughs> and oh, immediately boy. the color leaves my face. I just like start staring off into the distance. It's just it's it's. I mean, obviously Beth. Our former uh, sports editor did say um, it's an honor to get beaten by UConn's women's basketball team, and I agree with that, and I think it'll be cool to have them joining the Big East. Um, but it's just, 
it's it's sad for me thinking about like I do think that over even the next two years we could see them really really improve and rebuild and just knowing that it's just going to be so like it might be impossible for them to now vibe for that best that best spot in the Big East. Um, I think that's just a little depressing. <laughs> it is, but at the same time, like you gotta take a long view. Having UConn mm-hmm. women's basketball in the Big East is gonna be a boon. There, yeah, they've been a top top program like forever, <laughs> uh, and and uh, and I I think I think that it'll definitely generate it'll definitely generate a lot more interest. And I think at the end of the day, like yes, we want to see them win, but we would also like to see a lot more interest in the women's teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, n- like, no matter how we can get it, we would like to see more yeah. interest. Just cause, just for the fact, like, a lot of the time, like, our home fans just will not show out to these free on-campus games. Wow. And, like, and like, it'll be, it'll literally be pep band versus, like, fans of visiting, of the visiting and team. And sometimes the visiting team has more fans. I mean... It, it it's really rough especially yeah. for like for free games on campus like yeah. we we would like to see more turnout we would we really would can you imagine a team that had the offensive output of the men and the defensive output of the women unstoppable you know, like literally it, unstoppable. that's probably duke but like <laughs> but like but it i i think both teams can honestly learn a lot from each other like the men can definitely learn a lot about collective defense mm-hmm. and playing as a team, uh, and and hope and hopefully the women can find those one or two scores that could consistently put out double figures because yeah. that's that that's sort of what we're miss that's sort of what we're missing right now. We're just we're just like we're just we're just coming up a little bit short. And as if if Nicola gets hot, if Brianna gets hot, like that like lights out. They mm-hmm. they can win games. So, uh, so yeah, and that's that's all I got. Do you have any closing thoughts or any anything you'd like to share with the audience? Do I have any closing thoughts or things? I mean, I feel like I feel like go to women's games is always a good closing thought. Yeah, always a good you know note to end on. We have one home game before the Syracuse game, and oh that's my played. God. That's played this Saturday when we're away. Uh, when, like when we when uh, we as students when the students are, are away, off campus yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, and the women the women play the Thanksgiving Classic against Loyola Marymount and Fresno State on the 29th and the 30th of November, and they will be back on the 14th against Ryder, and that really sucks that they schedule the women's game the same day as the Syracuse game. Like it's so unusual that we have men's and women's games on the same day. Like I literally can't even think of one example from last year when that was yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't like it. I just want to like say it. that for the for the Syracuse game, my dad, who is a Syracuse graduate, um <laughs> is coming down with my mom from New York to watch this game. Will our family be on speaking terms afterwards? No. <laughs> it doesn't even matter who wins. The answer is no. <laughs> like well, we're supposed to all get dinner afterwards. I don't know how that's going right. to work. But like <laughs> But like, if we win that game, is that such a bad thing? If if you're you're not on speaking terms, oh yeah, I think it's fine. No, no, I would prize Georgetown's basketball success over my family's well being. <laughs> it's like, who would you root against, Georgetown or your significant other? Your significant other, I'm, obviously. Just, just that's just such an obvious take, and and we'll end on that final, that excellent <laughs> final thought. Great yes. job, Sky. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, and we'll be back.